This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space, a live forum for courageous conversations about difficult subjects. Tonight is the third in our series about medical trauma. I'm going to be speaking with both the creator and executive producer of the series, Doc McStuffins, Chris McNee, about her creative way as a mom that she found to help her child with his fear of going to the doctor. Chris Nee is the creator and executive producer of Disney Junior's Doc McStuffins, an animated series about a six-year-old girl who runs a clinic for stuffed animals and broken toys out of her backyard playhouse. Chris's inspiration for the series is twofold, based on her childhood, which was spent helping out in her mom's popular independent toy stores, and also her more recent experience as a mother to her son who developed severe asthma when he was, when he was only two. After seeing her child's anxiety about going to the doctor, Chris decided to come up with an idea for a show that could help make the process of going to the doctor less scary for kids. Prior to creating Doc McStuffins, Chris Nee had two simultaneous careers in television. She worked with kids as a writer for children's programming like Little Bill, Wonder Pets, The Backyardigans, and Olivia. And she also, at the same time, served as a producer of the Discovery Channel's Deadliest Catch. Chris Nee has received multiple Emmy Award nominations for writing, and she won an Emmy in, in 2002 for her work on Little Bill, the Peabody Award-winning series based on children's books by Bill Cosby. Welcome to Safe Space, Chris. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. So tell me a little bit about your son, Theo, and what happened with him that caused him to be afraid of going to the doctor? Well, I think like any kid, he probably didn't love it to begin with, but um, when he was about one, he started to really have a lot of trouble with his lungs, and uh, every time he got sick, it would sort of stay in his lungs, and he would um, linger for a long time afterwards with this wheeziness, and what was interesting to me is that it actually took a long time to to finally come to a diagnosis. Um, our doctor had said that, uh, you know, every kid has, has some part of them that's a weakness. There are kids who get strep throat and kids who get earaches, and he clearly is a kid who has lung issues. Um, but eventually he, he got pneumonia, and soon after that they diagnosed him with, uh, with asthma. So during all this time, was he having to go to doctors a lot? He had to go a lot, and he had to stay longer than, than everybody else because there's, um, I like to say, one of the processes when you're finding out that you're an asthma family is uh, you, you start out with the nebulizer, which is how they get the uh, drugs into a, a kid this age and into the, into the lungs. You start out doing that at your doctor's office. So they will go in for, uh, you know, they've got a cough and they've got a wheezing and they go in and the doctor sets you up with a nebulizer and he has to sort of stay there for, uh, you know, they end up being in the room for over an hour sort of doing that whole process. And, and then I remember getting the, the step where we rented a nebulizer and at the point where you buy the nebulizer, you, you, you know that you have a kid with asthma. Mm-hmm. That's how the parent knows, even without the diagnosis. And was a neb- so just to explain what a nebulizer, why don't you tell us, describe what a nebulizer is for those who don't know and, and what it might be like for a child to have to use one. A nebulizer is a, a, a delivery system where it takes a liquid medication and um, puts it into like a mist form, and it is then they, there's a process of them breathing it down deeply into their lungs, and it delivers uh, drugs directly into his lungs. And if you 
um, can picture, like the, the best way to sort of do a nebulizer is there's a there's a nozzle that sort of gets inserted into a kid's mouth, um, and when they're younger, they can't quite manage that, and so you have to put on a face mask, which is a, a very scary thing to do to a little kid, and and you're talking about a child who is having trouble breathing at that moment, and you're trying to explain to him that if you're going to put this on, and he has to sit there for 20, 25 minutes, and if you put it on, that it's going to make his lungs feel better. It's a difficult thing to do, I have to say. I can imagine. So there you are. Your child is also very young here, so, and he's scared if he can't breathe. So were there moments for you where you were sort of struggling to hold the mask onto his face, and he's trying to, like, rip his face away, and, and you're desperate to get it into him? And did you have experiences like that? There definitely is, uh, even to this day, it's, which is three-plus years later, there's a negotiation with the nebulizer. Um, I, I have to say that we, we didn't uh, let him watch television until he was two, but the nebulizer became one of the places where he could he could watch a show and, and it was one of the yeah I mean I was that was that was a perfect time for that you and do it what you have to do exactly you do what you have to do and and I have to say that was the beginning of me seeing having moments of just parental sort of pride and joy because he would often watch episodes of shows that I'd written yeah. and I would see that it would engage him and take his mind off of things and and that was one of the ways that we got through it but it's definitely very difficult he still doesn't love it, but I, he does know that it, at this point he can intellectualize the fact that it's going to make him feel better, and that's, it, that's a big piece of the process. Mm-hmm. But when he's little, you're really just trying to put this thing over his mouth, or you're blowing it into your, his face so that he can try and get this medication down, and it's, it's a very difficult thing for him. And it's kind of scary. I mean, it's like it looks, it's all smoky and steamy looking. Exactly. So it would be very scary to a child that young to think, I'm supposed to breathe this? It looks like smoke. Well, and when we first tried the um, the face mask, we, we, we very quickly gave up on that because I, I could understand he was such a little kid and we couldn't explain to him the basics that that was going to make it easier to breathe. But putting something over the the mouth and the nose of a child who's having trouble breathing is, is a very difficult thing to do. Um, yes. And yeah, it definitely was a scary process for him. I mean, now I don't, he's not scared of it, but he certainly doesn't like it. No, who can blame him? Exactly. So... So you had this experience, and I'm struck that um, right from the very beginning, you figure out this way to help him tolerate it by helping him watch TV and, indeed, some of the shows that you'd already written. And do you think that's – how did the idea then begin to create a show that would help him even more directly, not just by distracting him, but by actually addressing children's fears about the doctor? Well, I had spent I've spent about 15 years working in the kids' uh, world and 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 really loving writing for preschoolers. That's always been a piece of my uh, of the of the work that I do. Um, and so I'm always kind of thinking of ideas. That's part of you know I was developing things and trying to sort of that thing where you're really sitting down and going, all right, how do I come up with the great idea? And of course, that's not how the great ideas come to you. Um, CO had ended up at the hospital. There was a night that was just a really scary night, and we had to call an ambulance, and he took an ambulance to um, to the ER. And it was very soon after that that I, I, I was, it was such a classic thing. I was in the shower and uh, thinking, I think as any parent does, you're looking for what in my skill set can I use 
to help my child. And I've, I've always been really uh, amazed and fascinated by those parents who like learn molecular biology and create, uh, you know, the drugs that save their kids. Like that's, that's, amazing to me. That was never going to happen in this situation. <laughs> but I, I did finally just have this moment where I thought, I, this is what I do. And I, and I do it well, and I have the connections to be able to do it. And if this is what he needs, maybe there's a way that I can help demystify doctors for him. And very soon after, the whole idea came to me. And, and, um, and it wasn't long after that I brought it to Disney, and they, they were on board right away. So, How exciting. So they recognized it right away as something they wanted to be part of. They did, which doesn't always happen, I, I have to say, or or they like something about it, but they want to change it. And this is one of those shows that hasn't changed that much from the beginning. It it both has because it's a collaboration and all of these other people come in and help you bring this thing to life. But the, the basic idea and the story and the characters and even the name, which is, again, very unusual, have been there from, from that first shower. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, Disney just got it. I, the Nancy Cantor, who is uh, the general manager of Disney Junior, is also a mom. And I, I think it is one of those... I, I often like to say I... I uh, when I was writing all of those years for kids this age and I didn't have kids, I would have told you that it didn't matter that I didn't have kids, <laughs> right. that I could write just as effectively for them without having a child of my own. And I, I still think that's true. But this show could never have happened if I, if I hadn't been a mom. Mm-hmm. This was really a mom moment that I had the skills to translate into something else. And so when you were thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm going to write this series of these stories that are designed to try to help kids feel less afraid, what were the ingredients that you wanted to make sure were in it that you hoped would, in fact, help kids feel less afraid? Well, I wanted, um, I wanted to make sure that we were really dealing with the actual medical tools that are in a clinic. So if you look at the tools that Doc uses in her, I mean, it's a plastic clinic and you can tell that they're plastic tools, but it is the, we use a blood pressure cuff and we use, we tap the the knee for reflexes and look into the eyes and ears. And so it's a chance for them to familiarize themselves so that this, as they walk into a room and they're, and someone's going to bring all of these instruments towards them, it's, it's not going to be new. And I think we forget sometimes there are many reasons why kids are hesitant to go to the doctor. And, and by the way, I would never say that they, sh- I get why they're, they don't want to go to the doctor. It's, it, we're not saying that it doesn't hurt sometimes and that it isn't scary sometimes, but we forget that a piece of that is that they're incredibly unfamiliar with it. And that's one of the places where I think we can, we can help. One of the one of the earlier episodes that I watched was one where the daddy Jack in the Box um, goes with his son Little Jack, who had lost his pop pop upness, and the dad uh, offers himself to get the checkup first. And there's a little song about checkups and how they're fine and how they'll feel good and how they'll get Little Jack to get his pop back. And it was just a wonderful story. And of course, that's what parents do often is they say, look in my ears first, or the child can look in the doctor's ears first. And um, I love that idea. And I wondered, did you, did you do that as a mom? Did you have the doctor do things to you first before doing it to your child? Yes. <laughs> I, I make sure that I'm at all of my son's doctor's appointments because it's a great place. And, and I happen to really, um, I love our pediatrician and I love the manner that she uses and the ways that she deals with him. And... Um, 
it, it's a great place for me to gain material. And that, that one was very much sort of written about the, those early checkups as he's cognizant of what's going on. Um, but, you know, I had an amazing experience uh, right before the show went on the air. Uh, CEO had his five-year checkup because animation takes a very long time to make. Um, and it was that first checkup where the doctor was really just directly talking to him and we were just sort of sitting to the side. And, and uh, at one point she said, well, now I'm going to take your blood pressure. And she reached over for it and he flinched. And of course, at this point, he had seen the whole series. No, no other kids had, but he had seen all of Doc McStuffins. And I looked at him and I said, well, Theo, don't, you know what a blood pressure cuff is, don't you? And he thought about it for a second. And then he just brightened and he said, oh, yeah, I've seen Doc use it on Sir Kirby, mm-hmm. which is part of the opening credits. And then he just completely relaxed and looked at her and said, OK, go ahead. And, and I, I, of course, I got teary, <laughs> yes. which uh, I'm glad he didn't notice. But it, it was that moment of seeing the thing that I had been trying to do all along. And, and of course, I was doing it for him. But I think sometimes it's that, that wonderful thing where the most personal thing is the most universal. And I, I hope it can be the same thing for other families. It's wonderful. I noticed that when in another scene, when a, a child is using uh, the blood pressure cuff, you refer to it as a balloon. See how it gets bigger like a balloon, yep. which also seemed like a wonderful association to offer. The other thing that really struck me about the episodes that I watched is the music, how much original music uh, there is. And I, I'd love to hear how you thought about incorporating the music. Well, uh, music is a huge part of the show's to me, and I, I wanted this to be a very musical place. Um, we made a, a concerted effort at every stage to make sure that this never felt like a heavy show. We we deal with some heavier things, um, but we're doing it with humor and with music and with funny characters, so that so that it is a, a show that kids do want to watch. And for us, the music was. Um, I mean, I really did think about, I, I hope to create a recurring song, the checkup song, that that every parent can sing to their kid while they're sitting in the waiting room to go into the doctor. Um, and then the other songs, we, we, we really, instead of being so specific to the episodes, sometimes the songs are more specific to the episodes, but we kind of wanted to write the song that if you took it out of the episode uh, and you were talking to your kid about washing their hands, you could sing the washing the hands episode song from that episode and it would and it would sort of stand on its own. I want to actually take a moment now to play a clip. We we have the opening song and I want to just uh, play this from Doc McStuffins the opening song. That was the opening song to Doc McStuffins. When you hear that, do you smile, Chris? <laughs> I definitely do. Um, you know, it's it's. I, I have been doing this for a long time, but this 
this show is um, is everything I wanted it to be. It's it's a real passion project, and it's being received in such a lovely way, not just as entertainment, but for all of the other reasons that I wanted to do it. And um, it, it's it's a great sense of accomplishment to be on this end of of having that sh- the show out there in the world. You know, I can imagine that this is a really feel-good song for doctors <laughs> because, of course, pediatricians are so often feared, especially because the pediatrician is thought of as the place where the child gets a shot. Exactly. And, um, and I, I actually, I, I looked, when I, and I know you can order the show on, on the, from the iTunes store if you don't get Disney Junior cable channel. And I, I, I tried to find one about shots, and it's not indexed, for the actual issue yet, which I wanted to ask you, I wanted to encourage you to think about for parents who want to choose an issue that really helps them with a specific one. But do you have a show about the fear of getting a shot? We do. It was actually a hard thing for us. One of the things that we did very early on is make the decision that our toys would not get sick in the way that humans did. In other words, a toy would never get a cold. Um, And I think that that was very helpful in taking the show and removing it one step so that it it, it isn't it doesn't play too heavy and so that it isn't scary for kids. I think it's an easier way to approach um, some of these issues. And we made up, you know, their made-up names for the illnesses. And, and then Doc will relate it to a human, um, some kind of human issue. And, and some of them are more easily... Uh, transferable. In other words, if a if a, a ballerina, a toy ballerina, breaks her leg, it's very similar. Um, but some of the the illnesses were not as easy. So for us, the 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 shot episode, which I couldn't imagine getting through for a season and not dealing with that very specific fear, uh, is actually one that we do with a um, a soccer ball who has lost his air uh-huh. and has to get the the needle on the end of a um, you know the pump is yes. what he's afraid of. So that's great because we yeah we were never going to do an actual shot. So and I was like I don't know how to do it. I that was one of those ones I we really struggled. I was like I can't figure out how to do it. But how do we not do that? <gasps> oh balls, balls in the, uh, you know, in the pump. And it's, that's like a needle and he can call it a needle and it'll totally translate. So, yeah. And how does, how do you, in the show, how does Doc and how do Hallie and the Lammy and all the characters that are in your, in the series, how do they help the soccer ball deal with the fear of the needle? Well, one thing they do is, is I think sort of affirm that, yes, this is one of those places where I'm, I'm not going to tell a kid <laughs> that that they shouldn't fear it at all and that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it isn't going to hurt. It's going to hurt for a very small amount of time. It's going to make you better in the long run. Um, and in that episode, we actually have that character run out of the clinic and he hides and um, uh, they have to go find him. And, and Doc really um, ends up telling him, well, she when she gets a, a shot, it's scary for her too. And one of the things that helps for her is to have her mom uh, give her a hug and hold her while she's getting the shot. And so the characters hold him um, in a hug, and she does it very quickly, and, and it's over with. And you may know this. I know you get consultation um, from various health groups, including the Center for Disease Control. But they're actually, apparently, my pediatrician told me, there's research suggesting that for a very young child, if you, if you breastfeed during shots, yes. there's, there's research to suggest that when the child is older, they report less pain with future yes. shots. I have heard that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there are so many ways that we can that we can comfort kids, and 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 working with. We had um, the Hollywood Health and Society uh, group, which is really an amazing group. And what 
what I loved about them is that they weren't hooking us up with Hollywood doctors or doctors who specialized in talking to people on TV shows. They hooked us up with the specialists across the country in whatever issue we were dealing with. So that every episode, we made sure that we were having someone who knew, uh, look at our scripts, advise us, talk to us about what's the best way to talk to kids about these issues. Are we saying anything that's incorrect or that is we're saying in a way that we shouldn't? So that um, you know, we could feel really confident with the information that we were putting out there. I'm curious, too, to ask you whether you deal with more serious illnesses. You know, a lot of what we're talking about now are the things that every child faces, shots, checkups, blood pressure cuffs, etc. But are there times, have you, how have you thought, I understand you don't use literal illnesses, so it's an illness that has to do with a, a toy, but where the toy is facing, um, you know, some kind of cancer equivalent or something very serious, have you decided, what has been your decision about whether we- to do that? We haven't done that yet. Um, I think that, especially in a first season, we mm-hmm. we certainly wouldn't have been ready to take those steps. I, I think you want to find the edges of your show before you before you push them. Yeah. Um, I, I, obviously, I, I, it is a it is a show that's on TV and that we we hope the parents are watching with kids, but we don't know, um, and it's for very young kids. So we we never want to step further than we should. Um, that said, we're ambitious and we think that we can help people. So we'll, we'll, we'll be looking for the, the topics that we can bring in. But we do have a real mix of episodes. I mean, yes, we have a splinter episode, which, of course, to a three-year-old is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, but we also did a we, we did we've done some episodes like an episode where um, we had characters and one had to spend the night in the hospital. And that was very important to me to do that. So our character is one whose Velcro has fallen off and he's a huggy monkey. So his, he and his sister are huggy monkeys and they're always together. And um, uh, so we use a, a, a fictitious ailment to get us to that very scary place where a kid has to spend the night in the hospital. And we, and we deal with the fact that Anna, the, his sister, can't stay. And we have that moment, and, and Doc has to say to them, you know, sometimes you need to stay near your doctors and nurses. And Hallie, the nurse, spends the night uh, sitting next to his bed, and Doc comes out and does rounds right before bedtime. So we, we really wanted to simulate uh, a very real experience for a kid um, spending a night in a hospital. So that, for us, was, you know, is up there on the higher end of, of emotion without us naming what the illness is. Part of what I like, saw that episode, part of what I liked about it is that Anna, the sister who has to leave, really does explicitly sp- express her sadness, her fear, her reluctance. So it's not sure, it felt like it was really acknowledged, the difficulty of it, while there was all this kind of comforting and reassuring mixed in. And I, I found that really respectful of kids' actual feelings. I appreciated it. I'm a, I'm a great believer in um, uh, sort of high drama for little kids. And I, and I think it's something that a lot of shows don't really address, that, that really kids um, can go from a temper tantrum to, to laughing like crazy to real sadness in a very short amount of time. They're, they're always at the extremes of something. And <laughs> uh, um, I really love to write that for Four little kids, and and this show has this show, and I have to say, Disney have really allowed me to to do the writing the way that I that I do it the best, and that and that is to acknowledge. I mean, that was one of the great things about Little Bill, which was this show that I had done many years ago, was that it had a very real kid voice, 
And I, I felt strongly that if we were going to do these issues and do these emotional storylines, I wanted to make sure that even though the, the world around them is very fantastical, um, it's a very magical conceit that the, the emotions felt very real to kids this age, because I thought that was the best way that we were going to address these issues. Yeah, it really grabs their attention that way because they can resonate with it. I want to I want to talk now about parents' fears because what we know in the field of pediatric medical trauma is, of course, the child is part of a family; it doesn't come alone. And when I imagine you in the middle of the night with your two-year-old not breathing in an ambulance ride to the hospital, I can only imagine how terrified you were, and of course, trying to conceal that from your child to some extent, but nonetheless feeling it. And I'm curious has has this creative process been useful to you as a parent in terms of your relationship to your son's asthma? It, it, it is a way that I talk to him about it. We, do, we often talk about Doc um, and scenarios on the show and characters on the show when we talk about medical things at this point. So it, it has certainly been very helpful for me. And, and I think when you talk about the just pure emotional side of it, having a sick child is just the most helpless feeling. And that's, that's the bottom line. And that's the hardest part about it. Um, especially actually once they transfer over into a medical person's hands, then it, it's, it's, you feel helpless. And this has been a real process of empowerment for me. Um, I now know that I've done something mm. to help him feel better with, with, uh, with the issues that he faces. That's so great. Retreating our own helplessness is such a is such a great relief when we can do it. I want to ask you too about uh, your decision to portray Doc as an African American girl doctor, which I just loved because, of course, that's not the stereotype of a doctor when people think of who is a doctor. And I was curious. I understand um, that you've actually received some response from African American women doctors, and I'd love to hear you tell me a little bit about that. We have, um, there's a doctor named Dr. Maisha Taylor, and uh, she writes on a blog called Coily Embrace, and she had very early on written this just incredible, um, uh, very emotional story about how how moved she was by the characterization of Doc and that she really felt that there was going to be a future generation of doctors coming out of this. And it was, it was an incredible thing to read. But the follow-up to that was that all of these African-American doctors from across the country started uh, getting in touch with her, and they organized on their own this campaign to send, they sent her, all sent them the pictures of themselves to her. And she made this poster with Doc in the corner with 30 African-American doctors from across the country that says, we are Doc McStuffins. And it's, such a, it's an incredible, there, there are small decisions, they're not small decisions, but decisions that we can make early in a show that are, that are going to resonate further than just the stories within the show. And, and that was, it was such an easy decision to make. I knew I wanted her to be a girl, um, Disney mentioned, hey, what if we make her African-American? And I thought, that's fantastic. What a great thing for us to do. And, and that has actually struck an even bigger chord than, than we thought it would. It felt like there were all these social messages. One of the episodes, the mom, who is a pediatrician, says to her daughter, you know, let's see what dad's made for dinner. And it just felt like you're weaving in so many messages about gender and um, 
that feel feel very wonderful to see. Uh, yeah, the the dad is a stay at home dad, and and um, uh, I mean we were conscious of that, but I didn't realize how much that was going to get picked up on. But um, uh, there's uh, there are a lot of dads out there who are really happy to see the portrayal of a stay at home dad, which has there haven't been many of them. So the last question before we have to stop, Chris, I I understand that when you were young, your mom owned a couple of independent toy stores. Is that right? She did, yes, and had asthma. So, <laughs> oh, and had asthma, and so, you know, part of what I was watching and thinking, wow, how many toys is Chris going to know about? You know, their potential ailments, and I'm struck. Do you feel like that early experience of knowing a lot about different toys has served you in the series? I think that uh, toys have always been a very serious business in my family, <laughs> and uh, have always been on the radar. That that is for sure. And yes, I have done inventory on her store many, many times. And so uh, when I go thinking for another toy to get sick, I definitely have a good um, a, a good list in my head. That's right. So because we have to stop, I want to ask you, can you tell people how they can access the show? How, what are ways that they can find episodes and listen to them? It's on Disney Junior. There's actually a new episode this Friday at 10 o'clock. Uh, it airs every day at 10 o'clock. And you can also find it on iTunes. And I checked for that. And you have to go into the iTunes store. If you just go into iTunes and hit right. TV shows, you won't find it. But go into the store and all the episodes are there. You can download them. Chris Nee, thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. My thanks tonight to Jen Hodgson for mixing the sound, Maurice Lennon for the music, and just a word, a shout-out to Neil McKenty, who's been my consultant to the show for four years and who passed away this week. I really uh, miss him and honor the extraordinary contribution that he uh, made to this show. If you'd like to listen to the show in its entirety or email the link to a friend, please go to the website at www.safespaceradio.com. You can subscribe there to get a weekly email with the links. You can also email me at dranne at safespaceradio.com to make a suggestion or request for a future topic. You can go into the iTunes store under podcasts and download Safe Space Radio from there, and you can like us on Facebook. Coming up next is The Watchdog. <laughs> 